I'm uh, Aaron Bray. My hometown is San Diego, California, but I've lived the past couple of years in Kharkiv, Ukraine. I was a Peace Corps volunteer. That's how I uh, ended up in Ukraine. Yes, that is my cat. Uh, she's my little war cat. Aaron is just one of so, so many people who have had to leave Ukraine since Russia invaded last month. It's estimated that nearly one million Ukrainians, plus expats like Aaron who call the country home, have been forced to flee. They're escaping the fighting and going to Poland, Hungary, Romania, and other countries bordering Ukraine. I am in uh, Bratislava, Slovakia. Thankfully, I have a very large network of people willing to help me. And that was a, a big, big part of like what helped me get through all this. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Friday, March 3rd, 2022. Today, Aaron's first person story about what it was like to leave his adopted home of Ukraine and why he says he's going back. My first introduction to Ukraine and Ukrainians was actually in middle school. There were quite a few Ukrainian refugees who came from the Soviet Union when it fell, and they ended up going to middle school with me in La Mesa Middle. And that was my first kind of introduction to Ukrainians. And then I saw everything happening with the Maidan Revolution, the Orange Revolution on the news, and it really kind of just inspired me. And I've always wanted to go somewhere to help. You know, no matter what, I, I always kind of figured it'd be Africa because that's the typical Peace Corps place. But um, when I applied for the Peace Corps, I had two options that I qualified for. And one of them was Ukraine. When I was given the position, I couldn't say yes fast enough. I lived in small villages for a little over two years before COVID happened. And uh, my students joke that when somebody lives in a village for that long, you know, something changes inside of them. So after COVID happened and I came back to the United States, it just didn't feel right. Ukraine really felt more like home to me. So as soon as I was able to leave, I came back to Ukraine. And yeah, I've been teaching English there ever since. <laughs> I love stories. So uh, it started in the Peace Corps. I was in a small village outside of Kharkiv. That's where I was living. And you download the dating apps because how else are you supposed to meet somebody who speaks English? And, you know, you just, you're swiping, swiping away. And this beautiful woman messages me and everyone's like, oh, what was the first thing you said? And I'm pretty sure the first thing I said was, do you speak English? You know? <laughs> and, I offered you coffee? Oh, okay. Apparently I offered her coffee. It was kind of a joke on her part, but she took us to a restaurant to get breakfast called Immigrant, you know, because I'm the immigrant. And uh, yeah, we had breakfast and I don't, we just clicked. She puts up with me. I think that that's part of it. <laughs> She's got good humor. She's beautiful. She can cook Ukrainian food good. Her borscht is delicious. Sidniki's good. She's smart. Hey, she's loving my life. <laughs> I 
Everyone asks, why didn't you leave? Because every day I would get emails from uh, the Department of State. Every day. Leave, leave, leave. But what a lot of people don't realize is Russia had already invaded. They invaded in 2014. They took Luhansk, they took Donetsk, and they took Crimea. So we keep seeing this escalation and this sort of Ukrainian mindset is, well, they've done this before, right? They're not going to attack Ukraine proper. What they're going to do is they're going to annex Luhansk and Donetsk like they did in Crimea. No one was expecting a full-on invasion, but you keep reading the news and you start to kind of get that panic feeling. I wanted to leave in January. You know, I, I woke up one morning and I went to my girlfriend, Yulia, oh, my fiance now. I woke her up. I'm like, babe, I want to leave tonight. And she's like, ah, I don't know. Like, let's think about it. And then I go to work. I talk to my students. I talk to my coworkers. They think I'm overreacting. I'm like, okay, okay. The, the night before the invasion happened, I'm sitting in the office with my coworkers during our little break. We're just talking, drinking coffee. And they're like, sir, what do you think? And I just remember like, I think it's too late. I think it's too late. We already had our bags packed and we were going to go to Poland on Saturday. I was like, let's just make a little vacation of it. We're going to take a week off. We'll go to Poland. Let's not think about the invasion. Let's just get out of here for a little bit. You know, it takes some time. And a student, he offered me a ride home that night. And I remember we, we drove and we get to my apartment. We're sitting there talking for a little bit. And he's like, so what do you think is going to happen? And I just look at him like, you know, I, I think it's going to be fast. I think we're going to wake up and it's going to be way too late. And it was. <laughs> I remember that morning, it was like four or five. And you just hear this, this banging. And it had been windy. And up until then, like the past few days, you would hear like the trees and stuff and the sounds. And you'd kind of wake up like, oh God, is it happening? And then you go back to sleep because you'd realize it was the wind. And then you hear this banging and I woke up and I'm like, oh, it's probably just the wind. But um, missiles, they have a, a rhythm to them, a, a sort of different pattern. You know, it's not like wind. It's like boom, 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 boom. And Yuli and I, we, just, we, we got up and we just stood there looking out the window, listening. And it's, we look at ourselves like, what, what now? And I just say, we, we leave. We leave right now. More after the break. And we're back with Aaron Bray, who moved from Southern California to Ukraine and now considers the country home. We're picking up the story on the day that Aaron realized he had to leave. There are no flights. You can't take a train at four in the morning. But we had our friends, Marina and Sasha. They had a car. The only people we knew who had a car. Because we live in a city. You take the metro, you take the tram. You, nobody owns a car. And we called them, and she didn't want to leave at first either. But we're like, open the window, just listen. And they're like, okay, okay, okay. Like, as soon as the sun is up, we leave. And since we already had our bags packed, we had to unpack our bags, pick through what we could carry, what's worth bringing, fill up our backpacks, get our cat, and just leave. And as the sun goes up, you just see people going to work, getting in their cars, going to work. 
As we get downstairs, people are gathering to collect water, but nobody's panicking, no one's worried. And we're just going around like, are they crazy? Like, did they not hear it? And by the time we get to their apartment to load up the car with them, the fighting is extremely close. Uh, you would hear explosions, car alarms would go off, the windows would shake. You'd hear a machine gun go off. And you know it's one machine gun because you heard it the first time. But when you're in the city with the tall buildings, the way it echoes, you're just encompassed in this sound of gunfire and explosions. We loaded up and we start driving and we saw BMPs. They're like armored, armored cars. Well, not armored cars, but like troop carriers. And some of them have big guns. And we're going down the street and we just see two of them roll out. I just I looked to my left and I saw the, the soldier. We knew he was Ukrainian. He's smoking a cigarette and he just had this look in his eyes. And he threw the cigarette and you could tell that this is it. This, we're going to war. And we're on the road for six or seven hours. And I think we only made about 100 kilometers in distance in six hours of driving because everyone was rushing out. And you have to pick your routes, you know? We know they're coming from the east. We know they're coming from the north. So we have to go southwest. And then from there, we, we went in the countryside. You know, it was the one place we could think of that was relatively safe. And then once we got to the village, though, in the countryside, that's, that's when things started to sort of fall apart for us as a group. Everyone has their own sort of mentality on, on how, do you, how do you deal with this? An American friend of mine, my coworker, Kyle, his thinking was, you bunker down, right? You, you get your food, you get your water, you sit tight, you wait for the calm, and then, you know, it'll be over. And a lot of my students had the same sort of thinking. They're like, oh, they're not going to hurt civilians. This is, this is a war between soldiers. If we just stay out of the way, everything will be okay. Uh, but I, maybe I watch too many movies. Maybe I read too many books. Maybe I play too many video games. But I was sitting there, no, we need to, we need to go. We need to leave. If we stop, we're going to die. We just have to stay ahead of it. And by the time we got to the village with their parents, they didn't want to leave. This is their home country. This is Ukraine. We stay here. It's safer in the village. It was probably the most agonizing 24 hours of the trip. You know, I'm, I'm the guest in their house. I don't want to step on any toes and lose this warm welcome. But I'm just sitting here. I'm like, we need to leave. Just please let us leave. But they're like, no, you can't leave. It's too dangerous. And then that's when I looked to Yulia I say, babe, I don't care what they say. We leave today. So we found somebody with a car to pick us up. And uh, at this point, martial law had been declared. The train station, we get there. It's not too bad. We're, you know, we're saying our goodbyes. And then the air raid sirens start going off. So then you just hear these air raid sirens. They would go on for an hour and stop. You get a little bit of quiet, and then they'd pick up again. We were still in Kharkiv Oblast, so like the state that Kharkiv is in, which is still very, very dangerous. And my main goal for kind of that time was, let's not even think about getting west, let's just think of getting across the uh, Dnieper River. 
A lot of what I had read was Russia's plan would be to push to the river and hold that line because it's a sort of natural dividing line. So I figured if we can get west of the river, if we can cross the river, at least we'll be somewhat safe. But the trains were not going the, their usual routes. They weren't on their usual times because obviously it's a very, very chaotic moment. So we had booked tickets to go to Kiev, the capital. We had maybe five or six hours of waiting before our train would arrive. And as we're sitting there and just looking at uh, Telegram, which is a social network. So we're watching Telegram and we're just seeing the events in Kiev unfold. And we look at each other and we're like, we can't, we can't go to Kiev. If we go to Kiev, there's a really good chance like something bad is going to happen. So we had to figure something else out. I was honestly starting to start to freak out a little bit, right? Because the trains weren't running. We have these air raid sirens. It's hard to think when you got this woo woo just going off in your head. One of my my bosses from uh, the Peace Corps, Pilar, I'm, I'm getting real nervous at this point. She calls me. I, my phone rings and I just look at my phone and I see her name and I just, I'm on the verge of tears because like, I, it didn't even occur to me to think about my Peace Corps connections because I was just so caught up in the moment. And I answer the phone and I almost started crying just because I hear Pilar go, Aaron, are you okay? And uh, I'm like, yeah, Pilar, all things considered, I'm doing okay. And she, she's such a nice woman. And I just remember, as soon as the sirens start going, she goes, oh, f And she's not the type of person who'd ever think of saying that. And uh, she's like, how are you doing? What can I do for you? And I, I just told her my situation. And she's like, okay, I'm going to make some phone calls. And I just start getting messages from everyone in Peace Corps about where are you? Where are you going? Who are you with? Do you have food? Do you have water? And I realized that like, I have this huge network of people for two, almost three years. And our job was to build connections. And that's kind of when I knew like, okay, is, is this going to be okay? Like, uh, like, no matter where I go, I can probably call somebody and they're going to know somebody. And so that's what we started to do. I would talk to one person and be like, I'm heading this direction. And like, oh, have you tried messaging Sam? You know, I think Sam was from that area. So I messaged Sam. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, let, let me call my host sister. She knows somebody. And so we're making all these calls. And we're putting together the pieces. And it's a plan is starting to form. We'll be back after this break. And we're back with Aaron Bray. He's an American who was living in Ukraine when Russia invaded. We went to the city Poltava, and it was so weird because... Um, after everything we experienced in Kharkiv and in the village with the air raid sirens and the jets and the artillery and seeing the tanks on the road, Poltava was, was calm. It was almost peaceful. And there was a family, well, really a community of people from Cameroon 
I'd say maybe five or six families all traveling together. And they had children. And hearing the kids laugh kind of reminds you that like, okay, you know, it's, it's not too bad here. All right, like everything's going to be okay. And then we, we had our train, which is going to take us to Lviv, which is uh, where you would go if you wanted to cross to Poland. But then, just like with Kiev, we start seeing the reports. Huge crowds of people stuck at the train station because they're trying to get onto the evacuation trains going to Poland. And the huge lines every day, it's like 10 hours are getting tacked onto the wait time. 20 hours, 30 hours, 40 hours. So we're sitting there trying to make the decision, do we go to Lviv or do we go somewhere else? So we decided we're not going to go to Lviv. We're going to avoid Lviv. And then we uh, went to Ushgorod, which is pretty much as far west as you can get. And 23 hours we're on this train and it was packed, packed. Every stop, more people would get on and each cabin, six to eight people were stuffed in this cabin designed for four only really sitting room in the, the corridor. Meanwhile, I haven't slept in days. I am stressed out. I don't know what's happening next. There's people, they're losing their lives, their homes, their families, their loved ones. You know, I'm an American. I have the option to go home, but Ukraine is really a, a part of my spirit, my soul now. So to me, I wasn't heading home. I was losing my home. I had never been to this part of Ukraine. And it was just these beautiful mountains and canyons covered in snow. And as you're traveling, you, you go from east to the south to the center to the west, and you start to see all of Ukraine. And when the west, there's no war going on. There's no bombing. And it's so beautiful. It almost makes you kind of forget that, like, oh, I'm running from a Russian invasion. But it was just, it was really, really beautiful. Then we get to Ujgorod, and one of our friends had told us about a gym that had been converted to a shelter. So we decided to go there for the night. And then in the morning, we walked to Slovakia. And after reading about the reports of people having trouble crossing the border and the, the lines, I was surprised how easily it was for us to cross. I was able to just walk across the border, maybe two or three passport checks, and I was through. And um, I'm part of like a, a Discord community. And I just posted like, guys, I need help. I don't know what to do. And so people started messaging me like, I'll PayPal you like some money so you can like buy clothes or food. You know, whatever you need, people are messaging me. And then my mom was sewing flags just to give to people, Ukrainian flags to fly. And people I don't know are messaging me like, oh, you're so brave. You're, I've been speaking to your mother. What, what do you need? You know, if you need a supply package, just, just tell us what you need. We'll, we'll send it to you. A friend of mine, he messages me and he's like, I'm going to start a GoFundMe for you. And I'm like, uh, okay. Like, I don't know what that's going to do. Nobody knows me. Like, I don't have many friends in the United States. And social media. You know, somebody posts one thing, the next person reposts it, $5 here, $10 there. And then you get occasionally somebody drops a couple hundred dollars. And I was amazed. You don't realize like how much support you have until you find yourself in a situation like this. 
Getting the help from these people, these strangers, just makes me think I need to pay it forward. I need to continue to help, you know, like, that's why I stayed, it's why I'm gonna come back. Like, Ukraine is home. Thank you to Aaron Bray for sharing his story. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Next week, we kick off a series on the battle over abortions. We talk about our country's mirage of energy independence and more. Kinsey Moreland was a hef on this episode, and our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Brasalian, Ashley Brown, and Angel Carreras. Our engineer is Mario Diaz, our editor is Kinsey Moreland. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera and Shawnee Hilton, and our theme music is by Andrew Eepin. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us to put you podcasts. And hey, we want your feedback. Call or text 619-800-0717 anytime. 619-800-0717. Tell us who you are, what you think about the show, the good, the bad, the weirdo. We want it all. Again, 619-800-0717. This is not a fun drive. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back next week with all the news in this month. Gracias.